Please remain standing as you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 2. Gospel of Mark 2. Let's read beginning at verse number 23. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath... He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3, verse 1, Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Father, we ask your blessing upon this reading of your word. Send your spirit to open the eyes of our hearts that we might understand it. And be transformed by it for your glory and for the good of our neighbor. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. After several weeks, we are now, finally, it feels like, returning to our series in the Gospel of Mark. And our passage today, I'm always amazed at the relevance of Scripture at any given time. I want you to think for a moment about some of the things that we here in our country consider sacred. What are some of our sacred things? In America, we consider our flag to be a sacred symbol. That's why when we see people disrespecting the flag or burning the American flag, there there is this patriotic indignation that rises up in our hearts, or at least there should be. Many consider our national anthem to be sacred. And so when millionaire athletes take a knee during the singing of that anthem, many Americans, and rightly so, are deeply offended. We consider cemeteries to be sacred places where the bodies of our loved ones are buried. So we never want to see gravestones graffitied or desecrated in any way. Of course, all the religions of the world have their own places and and objects and symbols that they consider sacred. But for all the things 
that are sacred to different cultures, nations, and people groups, you would be hard-pressed to find anything more sacred than the Sabbath to the Jewish people. Nothing has ever been more sacred to the Jewish people than the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, a day of God-ordained rest. And in this passage here in Mark 2, (laughs) if we were Jewish, we would perhaps read this passage with a little more shock than us as Western Gentiles read it. In Mark 2 and Mark 3, we see Jesus and his disciples doing something that was far more offensive to the Jewish religious leaders of his day than even someone in our day burning the American flag would be to us. But this episode here teaches us that like the Pharisees who were angered at Jesus and his disciples, our priorities of what is sacred are often out of order. Because man-made traditions and man-made rules are never more sacred to Jesus than reaching out to those who need him the most. That's really the, the, the ultimate thrust of this passage. And I want us to work through it together and see, first of all, that man-made rules distort God's word. Man-made rules distort God's word. I'm sure if I were to ask you to raise your hand, if you've ever had any experience with someone who held certain man-made traditions or man-made rules in high regard, you would, every one of us in here would be able to do that. But man-made rules are not God's word. They distort it. Look at verse 23. One Sabbath he was going through the grain field. This is Jesus And as they, Jesus and his disciples, made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Now for us, we wouldn't think anything of that really. It's it's the Sabbath, whatever, you're walking through, you're going to pluck some grain, you're hungry. But for the Pharisees, this was a big deal. And so in verse 24, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing, look at your disciples. Jesus, look at them. Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Sort of embedded in here is this implication. Why are you allowing them to do this? You are their leader. And then in chapter 3, Jesus is again in the synagogue. And the Pharisees are watching him to see if he will heal this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And so Mark is giving us these two separate episodes where Jesus conflicted with the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, over what? Over the Sabbath, proper Sabbath observance. In the first episode, the disciples are hungry, walking through the fields, and they pluck some heads of grain. And in the second episode, there is a disabled man in the synagogue and They've got their eyes on Christ to see what he will do. But in both instances, Jesus nor his disciples 
never do anything that actually violates the Sabbath according to the Mosaic law, okay? We need to understand that. Jesus or his, nor his disciples actually violate or break any of the law of Moses regarding the Sabbath. What they break is the tradition of man. Through the oral tradition and rabbinic teaching, the law of God, the law of Moses, had been expanded through specific and meticulous application of the law to almost every conceivable area of Jewish life. R.C. Sproul offers this helpful explanation. He says this, Over the centuries, as they did with so many God-given laws, the rabbis devoted themselves to fine-tuning the Sabbath laws and adding specific prohibitions to guard the observation of the Sabbath day. Their prohibitions included many details found nowhere in sacred scripture, but their traditions eventually became as binding on people's consciences as scripture itself. They had added to the clear word of God, and by doing so they had distorted it. The conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees was not over God's word. It was over man's word. And that's exactly what happens to us still today. We distort God's word with our own legalistic interpretations and applications. And then we bind the consciences of other believers with man-made rules that go well beyond Scripture. The extreme fundamentalism of many 20th century Baptist and holiness groups have erred in this way. We need to be on guard against this kind of thinking in our own church and in our own lives because there's always a little Pharisee in each of us, isn't there? When we see someone else doing something that violates our own personal convictions, or our own interpretations of Scripture, that inner Pharisee rises up. Let me give you an example. I think I may have shared this with you before. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went away for the weekend to Atlantic City and stayed at one of the, get ready, brace yourselves, we stayed at one of the casino hotels. Of course, we stayed there because we, we found a dirt cheap room. Nice room for dirt cheap on the internet, and so we posted, as we often do, a picture of ourselves on, on Facebook, and before long, it, word got back to me that people who didn't even go to this church were calling people in this church talking about what a worldly pastor I was for staying at a casino hotel. Now, friends, that is the kind of Phariseeism that Jesus and his disciples dealt with all the time. He hangs out with sinners. He eats with sinners. He eats with tax collectors. They, they pluck grain on the Sabbath. They don't wash their hands right. Now, how did Jesus deal with that kind of hyper-fundamentalistic Phariseeism? Here's how he dealt with it. He pointed the Pharisees away from their man-made traditions back to God's actual word. Look at verse 25. 
And he said to them, have you never read? He's asking them, have you never read your Bible? Have you never read what David did when he was in need and when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God. He's talking about the tabernacle. In the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So David not only ate the bread that was devoted to the priest, reserved for them, but he gave it to the men who were with him. And Jesus is citing 1 Samuel 21 here, 1 through 6, when David was fleeing from King Saul, and he was hungry, and the people who were with him, the men who were with him were hungry. And so he goes into the tabernacle and eats the sacred bread of presence that was consecrated to the, to the Lord alone and forbidden for anyone to eat except for the priest. But David marches into the tabernacle and eats this sacred bread in his moment of need. And the point that Jesus is making here from David's life is that the truly sacred thing is human need, not meticulous obedience to man-made rules, man-made traditions. You see, the legalism of the Pharisees had collided with the grace of Jesus. And Jesus used the very scriptures that the Pharisees claimed to be upholding and honoring to show them that their priorities were completely misplaced. They valued their traditions more than the needs of their fellow man. And so Jesus took them back to Scripture to demonstrate their folly. Look down at at Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand. And we say that all the time, right? That the church is not a museum for saints, but a what? A hospital for sinners. The synagogue, most likely the synagogue here in Capernaum, where this withered man was present, was filled with people in need. But Jesus singled him out. The Pharisees watched Jesus. They had eyes on him to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. Why? So that they might accuse him. Things had already gone south between Jesus and the Pharisees. They were looking down at him in self-righteous condescension, while ignoring the obvious need of the man right in front of them. You see, that's what happens when we distort God's word with man-made rules and traditions. It creates a self-righteous snobbery. It causes us to look what, that we look at everyone else with suspicion, just waiting for them to trip up and break our rules. We need to be on guard for this among ourselves because, friends, we do not want to be a church 
that misses the needs of people because we value our traditions more than their need. And we're living in a day right now, and will be in the future, where we're going to be encountering a lot of needy people. People whose lives are in a mess. We need to be willing to dive into the dirt with them. To value them more than any sort of man-made tradition or rule. The second thing that we see in this passage is that the Sabbath demonstrates God's grace to us. It demonstrates God's grace. Verse 27 of chapter 2, Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is so... (laughs) The words of Christ here are filled with clarity that cuts straight to the heart of our legalism and our legalistic tendencies. You see, the Pharisees had a way of taking the good gifts of God and reducing them down to depressing obligations that were to be meticulously obeyed. Matthew 23, verse 4 says, They, the Pharisees, tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. You ever been somewhere like that, perhaps in a church like that? Where there was such a, an expectation of you live this way and not that way, or you're not welcome here. Tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and they lay them on people's shoulders. That's how man-made traditions and rules work. They take the good gift of God, such as the Sabbath, and turn it into a burden to oppress our lives when in reality it is a gift from our Creator for our good. The Sabbath rest was given to, to mankind in general as a creation ordinance in the book of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and given to the people of God specifically in the law as the fourth commandment. You've, you know this verse, Exodus 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the one commandment that most modern Christians have issues with. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male, your servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner, who is within your gates. In other words, the people who are staying, you know, and I, for a modern application, the people who are staying with us. For in, why? For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That word holy there means separate, sacred, set apart. It's different from the other days. But in our fallenness, we don't know what is good for us. And we have to be told to stop, don't we? Just like when we eat food. Some of us, especially in our culture here in America, don't know how to stop. Whether it's the gift of food, or the gift of drink, or the gift of recreation. We don't know how to stop. 
And so we need a command. One of the things that we don't know how to stop doing is working. There's just something in us that's just always driving us. Work. Use these days for our own purposes. We can't waste one day a week for rest. It's the way we think. But if God, who does never need rest, stopped His work and rested on the seventh day, how much more do we need that day of rest? Not, not in legalistic obedience, but in humble... See, the, the, the Sabbath, it humbles us. It reminds us that our Creator knows what is good for us. That we do not know what is good for us. The Sabbath for New Covenant believers, you and me, is a command to rest and to worship. And it is not given to oppress us like the Pharisees were doing here with their man-made traditions. I remember as a young boy, uh, we, had, we were at a church, a small church, much like this one, and uh, we, we were always there, and it was preached all the time. You come to church every time the doors are open. Don't, you don't miss for any reason at all. Well, one day, one Sunday morning, our, uh, our toilet seal around, I guess the seal around it broke, and we had water going everywhere in the bathroom. And my dad... To, to much to my shock, I was probably, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. To much to my shock, my dad said, we're not going to church today. We have to fix this. I, had, I, had, I couldn't believe that we were going to miss church for a toilet. See, I had already been infected with this hyper-fundamentalist Phariseeism. Jesus said, when the ox is in the ditch, you pull the ditch out. My dad quoted that scripture to me that day. He said, son, the ox is in the ditch. We've got to pull it out. I remember being angry because I, I wanted to go to church. There was a pretty girl there that I, that I liked to, to look at and be around. And uh, that's the only time I got to see her because she lived on the other part of town, went to a different school. The only time I was able to see her was at church and they were always there, and we were always there, but today I was working with this flooding water in the bathroom. And he was actually rebuked by someone in the church. I don't know if it was a pastor or who it was. Somebody got after him for skipping church to fix the toilet. Why? Because we have so much Pharisee in us that we take God's gifts and we distort them with our man-made traditions and then we oppress ourselves and other people with them when God has given them to us, not to oppress, but to renew and to restore us. You see, when our understanding of God's commands, such as Sabbath rest, descends into a list of do's and don'ts, then we have stopped seeing God's commands as gifts for our goods, 
for our good and instead as a means for righteousness, just like the Pharisees. And Jesus says it as clear as it can be said, the Sabbath was not made so that it could, it could oppress you. It was made for you, not the other way around. So yes, his hungry disciples can pluck a few heads of grain to eat on the Sabbath. Yes, a disabled man can come to the synagogue and be healed on the Sabbath. Why? Because the Sabbath was meant to serve us, not for us to serve it. And this demonstrates God's gracious heart toward us, that He has given us all things for our good. The Sabbath, Lord's Day worship, they are, they are a gift of His grace so that we might be renewed, refreshed, restored spiritually, mentally, and physically. Friends, this should be the most exciting day of the week for us. Not because we can stay up late watching movies the night before and we're too tired to come to public worship. Or because we can head to the, to the lake on a lazy Sunday afternoon but because God has given it to us to connect with Him in a unique and special way so that we might be restored through worship and rest. This should restore us. But if we, if we convolute it and distort it with our own little man-made rules, well, we have to have this and we have to do this and well, we, have, we have to be out by this time. We can't go longer. We can't start earlier. We can't start later. That distorts all of it. And that which should be rest and restoration for us becomes oppressive and a dread. And so lastly in our passage, we see that Jesus is the true rest of needy people. Chapter 2, verse 28, So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And then in chapter 3, verse 3, well, verse 4, He said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And then Jesus was angry, He was grieved, And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. You see, Jesus was watching the Pharisees too. (laughs) And the man stretched his hand out and Jesus healed him. And all through, really all throughout this second chapter of Mark, Jesus has been making claims of divine authority. He is the Son of Man. He is divine. And here in these episodes, he makes... Another remarkable claim. He is Lord even of the Sabbath. Don't miss that word, even of the Sabbath. He's not just Lord over the Sabbath. He is Lord even of the Sabbath. The most sacred space of time that God has given to His creation, Jesus Christ reigns over it. It is ultimately expressed and fulfilled in Jesus, the Son of Man. There is no rest to be found in meticulous obedience to man-made interpretations of God's law, is there? 
when worship and biblical community began to feel more exhausting than refreshing, then we need to look at how we're doing it. Perhaps we're trying to obey some man-made tradition an interpretation that has been added to God's good gift. But true rest is found only in Christ, which is what all of this here we do is supposed to point us to, to Christ. If you come here on Sunday morning and are pointed anywhere else other than Christ, then you have been oppressed by something that should be God's good gift. This points us to Christ who is Lord over all things, including whatever we hold most sacred. And friends, if Christ is not who and what we hold most sacred, then we will never find true rest. Listen, if we hold our children or our families or our spouses or our jobs... Whatever we hold more, if if we hold any of that more sacred than Christ, we will live exhausted lives because there is no rest in that. Our children cannot give us rest. Our jobs certainly can't. Our spouses can't give us rest. Only Christ is our true rest. You see, His disciples could pluck grain and eat on the Sabbath. Why? Because they were with the true Sabbath. The disabled man could see his withered hand restored and renewed on the Sabbath day because he encountered the true Sabbath that restores and renews. Put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Jesus calls this man to the center of everyone's attention there in the synagogue. And then he asks a question that no one dares answer. Is it lawful to do good or harm on the Sabbath? And with this question, Jesus essentially says to the Pharisees, If I leave this man in his need on the Sabbath, then I am actually doing him harm. But friends, Christ did not come to leave us in our need. He did not come to leave us in our weariness of carrying the burden of trying to earn righteousness by our own good works, by our meticulous obedience to the traditions of man. He came to relieve us of all of that by living the sinless life that we could never live. Jesus obeyed the law meticulously in our place. But he didn't obey the laws of man meticulously in our place. By dying the death we deserved, by resurrecting to live again, we too can be raised out of the depths of our spiritual deadness into the newness of life, into true rest. But the self-righteous don't see Jesus as their rest. And neither are they willing to violate their own traditions to get down in the mess of someone in need and come to their rescue. These are the self-righteous Pharisees. And boy, do they produce quite the response in Jesus. Look down at verse 5, chapter 3. 
And Jesus looked around at them with what? Anger. He was, he was angry with them. But he was not only angry, he was grieved at their hardness of heart. And here we see the inner emotions of the Son of Man rising to the surface of this text. He was angry, he was grieved, and friends, that is how we should respond to not only the self-righteousness of others that stings us, but to the self-righteousness within ourselves. Yes, we must be angry and grieve our own unchristlikeness toward others. Our lack of mercy and compassion towards the needs or the sin of others while inwardly we are confident of our superior holiness because we were a tie to church and he doesn't. Jesus would have none of that. He rejected the self-righteous indifference of the Pharisees and he reached out to the man whom they were going to leave and he touched his hand. And of course, they had their own response. Verse 6, the Pharisees went out. They just left. We don't really know what point in the synagogue service this was. But I can imagine the Pharisees getting up and walking out the door in the service. They went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Why? Because his disciples plucked a few grains of heads of grain on Sabbath when they were hungry? Because Jesus healed a man with a withered hand in the synagogue? That is some intense commitment to man-made tradition. The Herodians were a, a Jewish political party that sympathized with King Herod and the Roman Empire. And the Pharisees, so the Pharisees, what they were doing here, they were colluding with the ultimate compromisers to kill the very Messiah they professed to be waiting for. All just to demand meticulous obedience to their own traditions and rules and ignore the needs before their eyes and the one who can give them true rest before their eyes. But friends, Jesus still reaches out to those who have come to the end of themselves. He is still the true Sabbath rest for those who are tired of trying to earn their own righteousness. Friends, if the Christian life ex exhausts you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. We need to cease from our own labor and finally acknowledge that righteousness is a task <laughs> that we cannot accomplish. We need rest. 
My message to you this morning is not do better. It is not do more. But stop doing and start resting. Release yourself from the expectations of people and fall into the rest of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Find your identity there. Not in the praise of man. Hebrews 4, 9 says this, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also ceased from his works as God did his. Have you ceased from your works this morning? I'm not talking about giving up living a holy life. That's not what, no, no. See, it's, it's, it's not about obedience to, to Christ because we, we obey Him because we love Him. It's about trying to find righteousness in our obedience to Christ. That's the difference. The Pharisees were conservatives just like you and me. They stood for God's Word just like you and me. But they couldn't understand why Jesus would do all these other things and allow all these other things to happen that violated their perception of God's Word, what they believed and taught about God's Word. They didn't get that because they were looking to their obedience to make them righteous. It is not our obedience that makes us righteous. It is our trust and our faith in Christ that grants us His righteousness. The Sabbath rest is Jesus. He is the greater Sabbath that the Pharisees had no idea of. They they, they couldn't understand Him. Are you tired this morning? Are you tired? Is your spirit hungry for the true bread of presence? Is your heart withered? Have you lost your way? Confused? I, 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 I speak to Christians a lot, see, see them a lot. And one thing I'm learning over the past couple of months is that Christians everywhere, we're, we're just confused right now. I mean, you had the charismatic movement issuing all these prophecies that, you know, that, that didn't come to pass with the elections. And now they're scrambling, what do we do? Our, our prophets have failed us. <laughs> Confused, exhausted, tired, stressed out. I've been there. I stand up here preaching to myself more than anyone else. Friend, come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus in your weakness. Come in your need. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your own attempt at righteousness. Just give it up. It will never be enough. God is too holy for that. He's too holy for it. His righteousness cannot be satisfied except by His own Son. So flee to Christ alone this morning. He is your true rest. And He's here right now. 
with limitless grace to forgive your sin and to meet your deepest need. Whatever that is. It may not be a withered hand, but it might be a withered heart. He's here to meet it. Trust in Him today, friends.